Good evening, folks. What I want to share tonight is kind of a little bit different of kind of what I'm used to. And um, I think for such a long season, I've um, been a part of leading. So I've, in my preaching and teaching, it's been pastoral, taking people on a journey. And, uh, and Jesus has been messing with me ever since I came to Harvest. And uh, which is a wonderful thing because he likes to shape who we are through different seasons and uh, he wants to take us out of our comfort zones and uh, each season demands diff- a different reality to our relationship and um, that's what I'm going through so he's invited me and asked me to kind of share a story this evening uh, in enduring my message of um, an encounter I had in San Francisco and I've only shared this in very small environments and I haven't shared it publicly because, you know, sometimes you have encounters that are completely life-transforming. You don't really, I don't know, you feel like those things are so precious. I feel they're so precious. And um, so who hears that and gets to experience that with you, um, it's really, it's, it's about an intimate relationship. But uh, I felt the Father invite me into that space. And um, so I want to share that uh, during my evening this evening, but if I had a title, it would be Make Time. And, uh, and it comes out of my transition from Live Village to Harvest, and uh, we had an incredibly busy time where it felt like the, the system was starting to take over my life. And uh, five kids, wife, trying to make it happen, trying to make it work. You just There's so many things on the go, and it was incredibly busy. And one day I was driving, I'm saying, Father, I've got the opportunity, and I can make time, and I can create time around my, my busy schedule. But what about everybody else who's literally got a corporate, they've got families, and it feels like people just never, ever have time. And he spoke to me about making every effort to enter into rest. Because when we find that space and place of rest in his nature and his character, resting in identity, resting in acceptance, resting in being qualified, resting in his presence over, over our lives, that's what transforms our environment around us. Because we're no longer striving to get it done, we're striving to get into that place where we know and understand and have a full revelation that rest is in Christ. And um, so in our busy lives, and no one can do this because there's no method. You can take other people's journeys and you can put a method together, but you have to find what works for you because no one else lives your schedule but you. And I was praying for Durban, I was praying for our local community, I was praying for Harvest, and I just felt the Father's heart in saying, my greatest desire is to have connection, deep connection, deep connection with my sons and my daughters as individuals, we, deep connection to have connection with us corporately, but that deep desire to be connected to Jesus. That our individual lives, that we can personally say and testify by the fruit of our lives that I've got a deep connection. So our knowledge has to transfer into heart knowledge. 
where it becomes an intuitive and a learned knowledge to a, an experiential knowledge where we heard today where the written word becomes an experience of the living word. And um, you just look at Jesus' life, and uh, you can go and read it if you want to, but uh, as I've been reading through Matthew, and Matthew 14 and 15, you just see how Jesus just takes time away all the time. Because your life is an encounter waiting to happen, and people around you are waiting for your life to happen around them. Because they have no reference points. They have no knowledge of, or they might just have a religious traditional tradition idea of who he really is. And for you and I to have confidence to connect with him, yes, we need to fully understand something about his nature and his character. And seeing through the lenses of the finished work of Jesus that then gives us confidence to approach is very, very helpful. But it's in the encounter that gives us confidence and boldness to go and be who has designed us to be. That's his greatest desire. So what about, now you've made time to come here tonight, which is beautiful. And it's amazing to hopefully encounter him first and foremost before we come to listen to a word, before we get led into possibly an experience of his nature. But it has to come back to personal responsibility with our lives if we're going to truly see transformation in our lives and other people's lives. You and I are an encounter waiting to happen. And while, when I come to my story, I've often waited for promises of God. Anyone else there? We've waited for promises. But when I was in the army... We used to wait often, hurry up and wait. And, uh, but when we were doing operations, our waiting was very intentional. We would set up ambushes. So we, in our waiting, we were setting ourselves up to capture the enemy, to ambush the enemy. And that's another definition of worship to set an ambush that we can experience His presence. You have to turn your waiting into worship. Don't allow your waiting for promises to lead to disappointment and disillusionment. Let our waiting turn into worship that you set an ambush to experience not only the promise, but the giver of the promise. It's so important. Grace gives us confidence to be with Him, which in turn gives you confidence to see and engage what He is doing around you. When we come out of His presence, He has to leave us with confidence. And being with Him will define your day. My encounters and prophetic words up to this day have been confirmations of walking in the right direction. I've, had, I've seldom had futuristic prophecies that this is the way you're going to go and this is what you're going to do. They're usually confirmations of where I'm going. And I might be in pause at that, in that moment or I might be in waiting, in worship in that moment and the confirmation comes and I keep on walking. That's why we have to be expectant for prophetic words to come. 
And uh, I started walking in the right direction because of what I understood about the nature of God, understood the gospel, revelation of the finished work of Jesus, just the empowering encounter with the Holy Spirit. So walking in the right direction started somewhere. And the confirmation of walking in that direction came through more encounters and more prophetic words. But my greatest desire has always been to be really deeply connected with Jesus. Deeply connected with Jesus, who promises never to put me to shame. Who promises to never leave me nor forsake me. Promises me to mature me into the man he's already destined me to be. Husband, father. Because everything else in life will set you up for disappointment. So what happens if we're not rooted and grounded in that place? We leave ourselves and we set ourselves up to consistently walk through challenges that maybe we didn't have to walk through if we were rooted in Him. I've got written here, my connection leads me to confidence, which leads me to boldness, which leads to opportunities taken. And Jesus always took time to get away. His connection with the Father, and he never lost connection with his assignment. You see, our greatest desire is to share something that you and I go away with, that you actually, I want to be connected with the Father, because being connected with the Father, he connects you with your assignment and your divine purpose. Because there's no B team. We're all in. But to find that place is to find connection with him again. Where did your relationship with him start? Maybe we need to go back and position ourselves in that environment that was created where you encountered him first. And I'll share a story of that soon. So you go and read Matthew 14 and 15. And I'm just going to share quickly where Jesus gets away four times to be alone. The first time he gets away to be alone in Matthew 14 is after bad news of John being beheaded by Herod. John's just been beheaded by Herod. Matthew 14, 13, it says, When Jesus heard what happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What do we do when we hear bad news? What do we do when we go through trauma? What do we do when we're going through something that wasn't our fault. What do we go th- where do we go when there's been death? Where do we go? Jesus, he withdrew and he went to a solitary place to pray and to be with the Father. I wish there was more detail of what he did. But you see, I love it because each of our story in his presence is so personal and so intimate and so different. So the way you experience God is not the way I'm going to experience God, and vice versa. After that, he's spending time in a solitary place. You go and read. This is what happened. He gets up, having compassion on people, he heals the sick. He's just come out of bad news, but he's gone back to the place of encounter and connection with the Father. He comes out having compassion to heal the sick, and straight after that, he multiplies food. The miracle of multiplication. Coming out of a place where the world says, stay still, 
There's a whole lot of processes and a whole lot of programs, and those are wonderful and they're right. But what happens if we go back to that solitary place of connection with the Father? You see, if we fully understand and know who He is, we're not going to blame Him for that purpose or what happened. You see, the, the sovereignty of God is wrapped up in the finished work of Jesus. Bad things happen. But he's not the author of bad things. He's the author of life. Number two. After feeding many people on five loaves and two fish. Matthew 14.23. After, after Jesus dismissed them. He went up onto a mountainside by himself to pray. I often, think, I often think to myself. Jesus who didn't need to pray so often but did. Us who need to pray so often but we don't. Why? Because we think praying is a duty. We don't think praying equals intimacy and connection with the Father. He dismissed them. He went up onto a mountaintop by himself to pray. Straight after that, he walks on water. So does Peter for a little bit. And the boat gets to the shore. He heals more people. Carries on. He sorts out a whole lot of religious leaders. He speaks to them about their traditions that aren't working. He reveals their hearts. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. And he keeps on. He tells them that you don't honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. They worship in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Number three, after sorting out the religious, political, controlling spirit, he leaves that place and he withdraws to another place. So every time... There's a power encounter, something happens, a difficulty, or a victory. He goes back to the place of encounter. He goes back to the place of connection. You and I are incredibly busy. A lot of us are. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but we can busy ourselves. Some of us are maybe busying, our, busying ourselves doing nothing, but you're still busy. But the reality is, is what you do with your time is your responsibility. Why not, as we heard Julian say the other, waste your time on Jesus? Making and creating time in your busy space to create internal environments that produce transformational change in your life. Making time. If, there's, if we get anything out of this evening in me being uncomfortable sharing like this and not like I usually do, Go away with this. I want to make time with you, Jesus. Not because I've got a whole list of things to do, but because I want to connect. I want to connect and I want to encounter with you. After sorting out religious, political, controlling spirit, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew. What happens after that? He sorts out racism and favoritism with a Canaanite woman's faith in him and heals, his, heals her daughter who wasn't even there. One moment to another. Connection with the Father, connection with my assignment. Connection with the Father, connection with your assignment. Because the assignment was on the journey all the time. There were opportunities around Jesus that he never ever left undone. How much are we leaving undone because we've stopped being in the place of connection and encounter with the Father? 
After that, Matthew 15, 29, Jesus left there, went along to the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. Straight after that, great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Straight after that, he feeds many again by multiplying seven loaves and some fish, and all were satisfied. Jesus remained connected to his father, connected to his assignment, and that is revealing and releasing the kingdom of God. That's our mandate. Releasing and revealing the kingdom of a good father. Hebrews 4.10, for anyone who enters God's rest is also rests from their work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience, speaking about Israel. And that word disobedience means unbelief. Unbelief will always lead to us not responding to the unction of the Holy Spirit. So my story I just wanted to lay a little foundation. But the, the story of San Francisco. I was in um, Reading at the time. And uh, I went to Reading, California because um, I wanted to find out how to sustain a move of God in a local church. Because the church I was leading, we started to see things happen within that community, and I didn't really know how to explain a lot of it. And uh, we had creative miracles, people encountering Jesus, and uh, with that, unable to pastor that, some problems also appeared because people wanted answers from me. And I just thought to myself, man, I'm sure everybody should want what God is doing, but it did cause a bit of a stir. So with the smile of the father, my wife and I packed up absolutely everything. We sold our house, gave cars away, and gave all our furniture away. And we uh, took four kids, and we got on a plane and went to the States. And uh, I became a student for two years. And um, in that process, was obviously struggling through my decisions of what am I doing. I'm cashed up my family's life, my kids' inheritance, and here I'm going. But while I was there... Uh, on the 30th of October, 2012, I was in the prayer house, and I uttered this to the Father. I said, Father, I don't know what all of this has become, what ministry has become, and I'm tired, I'm burnt out, and I was grumpy, and I'd stopped spending time with my beautiful kids, and um, I just didn't want to lead, I didn't want to go to the church I was leading. And um, in that prayer house, I just said, Father, my greatest desire is to return to my first love. Because this started in a room where you encountered me and nothing else remained but the purest form of love that I'd always been wanting and desiring. I said, Father, 15, 16, 17, I don't know, 18 years on, I'm like, where, what has this become? Where have I gone? I feel like I'm doing so many dutiful things and I'm doing it right. I'm trying to lead people. What's actually happened? 
And I circled my diary. All I want to do is return to my first love. Because that's where it all started. That's where everything was birthed out of. That's where effortless signs, wonders, miracles, and just actually loving people happened. And uh, I never ever started thinking, okay, I'm going to be in ministry one day. It just happened. And I got... I got less done in the work environment because I was spending time with people. And, um, but then comes the story, January, so it's October, so November, December, two months of fixing my thoughts on one thing. All I want to do is return to my first love. So I go to San Francisco, and I don't know if anybody has heard of a guy called James Maloney. So James Maloney, he uh, operates in unusual signs and wonders, and uh, yeah, he sees he sees exactly what's going on in you. It's quite amazing. It's quite unfair, actually. He sees a TV screen over someone's head, and he just reads their mail that way, or he holds their hand, and he actually sees everything that's going wrong in that person's body. So he sees the person's history, like in a movie of what's going on. Okay, at this age, this happened, and in the accident. So it was really unfair. So I was like, I want a shortcut. So I went because I want him to pray for me. So there were five guys in the school, and my wife was like, please go, Richie. Because I was dealing with some stuff, a little bit frustrated at that time, just because I had such a desire to return to my first love. So Tanzi said, go, please go. And I go, and uh, the five of us are there, and that evening, we go to a, Viet- a Vietnamese restaurant. And uh, in that v- Vietnamese restaurant, I order this chicken curry and rice. And that was the end of my whole weekend. Why I say that? Because it's the best chicken curry and rice I've ever eaten in my life. So I became such an irritation to the four other guys with me. Because all I could think of was chicken curry and rice, while my mates were thinking, James Maloney, we're going to become miracle workers after this weekend. I didn't care about that anymore. I felt so ministered to by this chicken curry and rice. It was an unbelievable experience. I, I'm trusting Jesus. I can just go back to the States for this, but it was that good. It was absolutely phenomenal. So for two days, I'm just telling my friends, about this chicken curry and rice, and they're getting irritated. I'm standing behind guys who are getting prayed for by James Maloney, looking at my mate, thinking, I can't wait until this is over so we can eat chicken curry and rice. And these guys were in receive mode like you can't believe. They were like, I just want everything so I can go and do the same. And I just didn't care. But in the back of my mind, I was like, Father, I know you're going to do something sometime. And the next day, the morning session, a guy called uh, Georgian Banaf was preaching, and he, he went off his notes completely, and he kept on tracking about this thing about returning to your first love and be co- being compelled by love. So I wanted to return to my first love, and I wanted to be compelled by love because that's where it all started, and that's when it was easy. And um, in that moment when he was doing that, I said, Jesus, I know you're going to do something. So I turned my heart of affection away from the chicken curry and rice. And I, I said, Father, I want to engage with you in this moment. So 
to explain this to you, it was every day I was going after that thing and I wasn't letting go. I was setting ambush after ambush after ambush after ambush. And I had had a history of effortless encounter with God where I would experience Him physically. I also don't fake the shake. I don't. I don't. I really don't. I'm, if God's touching me, you probably won't see it because it's a deep internal thing. It feels like I am plugged in to electricity and fire at the same time. And, um, but that all started in the personal private place. Bless you. Are you okay with this? I'm feeling more comfortable being up here saying this. I'd rather teach it to you, but that session ends. In the back of my mind, I'm going, Jesus, you're going to do something. I didn't know the timing, but I knew my time was near for what he was going to do. Even if it was just a word, maybe it was a prophetic word, I don't know. But I said to my friends afterwards, I said, gents, I'm on my way to the Vietnamese restaurant. I'll keep you a table, but I'm off. And they said, yeah, yeah, we're coming. We're coming, Rich. And they couldn't understand it. They were all single guys, desperate for this encounter from God. I'm like a guy with four kids, married. Um, they thought, listen, I don't want to get that old because I'm not going to be that hungry anymore. So I'm sitting in this restaurant. All the other guys come. It's a very packed restaurant. And I sit down in the chair and uh, I start drinking the tea because the Vietnamese, they just bring normal tea and you drink tea. That's part of culture. So I start drinking the tea. Just remember, I don't fake the shake and I'm telling the 100% truth. I'm not trying to tell you a story that has not existed. I will never do that, okay? I'm a conservative boyki from Krugersdorp in the West Rand. Okay, understand. I'm an army boy. So um, I'm sitting there. And I'm, get, I'm feeling really good. It feels like I've got two beers in after a sip of tea. Okay, none of you have ever had a beer buzz. None of you. Okay. So, sorry, a beer buzz. Yeah. So, that's what it felt like. Okay, I drank beer before I got saved. And a couple while I've been saved. So, I was drinking this tea. Tea. I was just about to say, I've got my beer police here. So I don't, my two beer police officers are in front here. I don't drink much beer, okay, guys? Just relax. So I'm drinking the tea, and I put the tea down. And I ask my friends, because I, I'm like, okay, Jesus, if it's on now, I want it to be so legitimate and so real and so authentic. So I push the tea away, and I say to my friends, I said, guys, What's in the tea? And they're like, what is up with this old guy? There's nothing in the tea. So I looked up to them and I said, guys, our new creation is governed in love. And when I said that, it felt like the whole ceiling opened up wide of the, this restaurant. That's what it felt like. And it felt like God himself came from heaven and he hugged me. 
So in that moment, I felt physical arms around me. I felt electricity that I've had electricity pulsate through my body, through the Holy Spirit before. But I had pulsating electricity going through my fingers where it was like 10 out of 10 pain coming out of my fingers, but it was a nice pain. Have you ever had that before? It's like, I don't want it to stop, but I do want it to stop, but I don't want it to stop because I know it's God. And, but at the same time, it felt like it was about 100 degrees in that room, in a restaurant. And my friends visibly see something's going on, and I feel this wave upon wave upon wave of the love of God, and I felt its purity, and I felt its heat working through my system, and it felt like every impurity was getting forced out of my body, forced out of my mind, my will, my emotions, but my, and, and it was my soul realm and my body were so connected with the purity of my spirit, because our spirits right now are as pure, as pure as the day you gave your life to Jesus. It's our mind, will, and emotions that take us off a journey or pain or our bodies. A couple of minutes, I didn't know where time was or where space was, but I was in this place. My friends, this is an amazing thing about a culture of honor and celebration. Guys, celebrating when you're getting encountered by God or tolerating or being embarrassed by what God's doing in your life. I've had that before. God would come on me and the guys around me would laugh at it and jeer it because it made them feel uncomfortable. So I would shut it down. But in this place, these guys, one guy actually grabbed my hand and the other guys just blessed it. They were saying, Father, get him. And now you must understand, in a full restaurant in San Francisco, everyone thought that was totally normal. Me crying, holding my friend's hand. Everyone thought it was 100% normal in San Francisco. So there I am, but this next wave that penetrated my whole system was worship. Now, I am on a journey to experience what I experienced in that restaurant in a corporate way. Every cell of my being was pointed towards Christ. Every part of my being was worshiping. I can't explain it, but my body, apart from me, was worshiping the one who fearfully and wonderfully made it. Every thought process, my will, every emotion was completely lined up towards the purity and the holiness and the love of God. Because holiness is not scary. It's, mad, it's beautiful. So I still I haven't shared the story in a public, so there's actually language that I don't know for some of this experience. So every part of my body and my soul, I, I want that to happen while we are corporately, that every part of you is worshiping and is giving Him honor. And then this wave of love penetrated and hit me again. And then in a moment, 
something very, very different happened. Now, I'm not going to share this other experience, but I had a couple of months previous a very warlike encounter deliverance with Jesus, where he removed from me the religious, political, controlling spirit that has been trying to oppress my life. He just took that off me. And I became violently militant and aggressive in this encounter. It was amazing. I'll share share that story some other time. But all of these encounters had lined up with the greatest desire of my heart to be compelled by love again. And all of a sudden I became fully aware of the room and my friends went, what is going on with this guy again? Because I've been gently receiving what God has been doing in my life and all of a sudden I turned aggressive. And they couldn't understand why and why I turned aggressive because I could see everything in the realm of darkness in the room. Encounter will always set us up for assignment. And this is what he was showing me. He was encountering me and ridding me of everything that would hinder the assignment of walking into darkness. I don't know what your assignment is, but I know what mine is. And as we walk in, as we walk in, as I'm going to walk into that. But he removed perfect love, cast out all fear. And in that moment, I could physically see everything that was happening in the room, demonic and angelic. And my friends saw me getting aggressive. And in this moment, all the people in the restaurant, their faces would come to me and I would know their history in a moment. And it would go back. Every person. So it was words of knowledge in a split second knew someone's history. Now only God can do that. And it would disappear. And it was very, very short that part of the encounter because it was completely overwhelming for my mind. And that's why the Bible says we need to renew our minds to be saturated in the kingdom and the realities thereof. And then I had this incredible um, love encounter again where my whole body just became on fire. But it was quite funny because during that time of being fully aware, I I literally felt like a man coming from battle very hungry. So now I hadn't seen my chicken and curry rice in front of me. I hadn't seen it. That curry and rice was there all the time. So I looked at my mate because I couldn't move. I tried to move. I couldn't move. The weighty presence of God was upon me. So all that I could get, I had to get my arm onto the table. Literally got my arm onto the table. I grabbed a spoon. I put my head next to the table. And I started shoveling the food. So obviously now that did draw attention to my table. Previously, me experiencing God hadn't drawn any attention, but now this had drawn attention and I was laughing loudly and I was looking at people intently and that's why it happened short. I probably got about three or more, three or four mouthfuls in and I had to push my plate away again because I was encountering the love of God again. And After that, I started becoming aware. I didn't know how long this was taking. It was about 45 to 50 minutes just having an encounter with Jesus in a Vietnamese restaurant with Buddha and all his friends sitting next to me. And I walked out of that 
restaurant and it increased even more because God said, this kind of love will reach a dying and a desperate world because you won't have eyes of judgment, you'll have eyes of the Father. And um, that other encounter of seeing profound words of knowledge, seeing and hearing, I felt God say this. He said, that is available for those who understand the goodness and kindness of God that leads to repentance. You know, you and I, if we tap into the prophetic, and that's why I love Sean Boltz and Julian, they understand the goodness of God, they understand the love of God that transforms a person. Even though they might be seeing the person's life and lifestyle, they'll transfer that into the promises of God for that person's life that sets them free and that brings them to God, not pushes them away from God. So if you and I, if we're desiring, desiring the gifts, desire this prophecy, it's you and I have to understand the goodness and kindness of God because he wants to show us what people are going through that we can bring them into an encounter of his presence. That's our mandate. Our mandate is to encounter him, to go away while in ministry, while in our busyness, while doing our work and our day-to-day, is to carve out time to encounter his presence, that we get to see him for what is written, that we can go out and understand our assignment. So I, say, I share that story because it, what it did, it recalibrated absolutely everything in my heart. Everything in my heart for the sake of encounter, for the sake of others, for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my wife. So friends, if we can do this, because this is not a well-polished preach, it's, it's my heart to your heart to say the most important thing you can do with your time is to find it in Him. Because in the encounter, even if that's just reading the word and words jump out of the page and you get revelation of something, what revelation is you seeing something that's always been there? Or, in, or that word, because you know the written word should always take us to the author, it should always take us to do divine encounter, because divine encounter, we realize what we're born for, then we can walk into an, an assignment that accidentally happens around you. Most of the miracles I've seen, the healings I've seen, the words of knowledge that come have happened by accident. Other times they've happened because my kids have made me aware of it. My kids actually got to the place where they were like seeing people without limbs and saying, we need to go pray for them. And then we were like, because we're out of his presence, out of encounter, things become routine. We don't have the confidence which releases boldness and faith to do the impossible. We need this generation. They need a model of what it looks like, of you and I taking risk in God. But it's hard to take risk when it's a duty and it doesn't come out of encountering His presence, His love. And then, in turn, becomes effortless. Friends, it's not George's responsibility. It's not mine. It's not the leadership's. It's not the worship team. And you know what? I love the worship team. I'm like... Everyone's got a pure voice of worship. And it was prophesied over this house that we are a house of worship. I mean, it was amazing. So my encouragement is, 
Don't wait for a church service. Don't wait for other people. What you know about him right now is enough for you to encounter his presence so that you can walk in an assignment naturally. You and I are born for impossible realities to bow to the name Jesus. So I say this, what about you? Doesn't a story of someone who's really just gone after him, all I wanted that is to inspire you to say, Father, what about me? Because that's what a testimony is. A testimony gives you the legal ground to say, do it again, Lord. Do it again in my life. What's so special about Richard? I'm just like a a dog holding on a bone because I'm in desperate need of him. What about you? What about going after that invention? What about going after creativity that no one's seen before? What about going... And doing a curriculum for education that transforms people's lives because it's God-breathed, medical, etc., etc. What about? What about carving time that is now and allowing eternity to come and shape that? Because people's lives around you, you owe them that. You owe people an encounter with God. We've got something that others don't have. So let's stand together. Thanks for being a part of the journey. Father, you asked me to do this. Father, I don't know what to do. Father, you rocked up in an unexpected time, in an unexpected place. Outside of the church, outside of a service, away from a conference where there was a profoundly gifted man that has been walking with you for years, that you would draw me through my taste buds. You're amazing, Father, that you would draw us with those things that we love. So, Father, encounter the surfer and backline. Encounter the teacher eating her lunch. Encounter the businessman that sits in his desk and breathes out to say the next email. Father, give us such a receptive heart to sense and know what you're doing. Encounter the students as they walk into class. Capture our attention 
Father, because we have such a desire to know you and to know your ways and to hear your voice and to take risk. Encounter the engineer, the professionals, the accountants. Encounter the moms at home. Whatever profession you're in, Be awakened this evening to the pursuit of a good father. Because the pursuit of a good father wants to impact you so that you can impact others. I bless you to manage your time well. I bless you to take time. And all he needs sometimes is a couple of seconds, friends, to turn your heart of affection to him in a moment and say, Father, here I am. And keep doing it. Set up ambushes that you can capture him. The Holy Spirit Let there be such a deep, unsatisfying reality in our lives until we're satisfied. I know we're fully satisfied in Christ, but have you experienced everything yet? Have you walked in everything yet? Some of you have the desire to see nations. Some of you have got huge dreams to see nations changed. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your hand is around our heart as an invitation to come into the more. Can I get the worship team up, please? So we're going to sing, He's worthy of it all. It's because He is, but I want you to engage in that moment and sing it as a personal reality. Sing it as a personal reality. And then if you want some prayer after that or during the song, please come forward and I'm ready to pray for anything. Anything. So Father, I thank you that every single one of your sons and daughters has a big target painted on their back. And all I can say is, Father, is get them. Get them, Father. They are encounters waiting to happen. Father, we've got an assignment that you've assigned us to do, and it's called the Great Commission. Empower us to do that. Let us understand and know how deep, how wide, how high, how far the love of God is, because we'll take it there.
be on purpose with us. I pray, Father, by your Spirit. Jesus, you are truly worthy of it all. You are worthy of me wasting time on you. You are worthy for me setting myself up with your word. I devote. You are worthy of my devotion. You are worthy of my body, of my mind, of my intellect, of my emotions. You are worthy of the righteousness that you have given me. You are worthy of deep intimacy and connection with me. You are worthy of my heart, Father. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of my time and my resources and everything that I've accumulated. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of my job. Thank you for my job because you paying me to see an assignment of impossibilities bow to your name, Jesus. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Father, I thank you that you take your sons and daughters' desire and pursuit and hunger and you meet them where they are. In Jesus' name.